life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. everyone, Michelle Slaney Travato here. I am so excited to welcome you back to another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. Today, I want to talk about the things we tell ourselves. You know, sometimes we meet people and we think, gosh, if I knew what was going on in your head, I'd be scared. Um, and sometimes we meet people and we're like, oh God, I wish I knew what was going on in your head and how I can get more of that. The reality is that we think about mindset as being, you know, the things that we say to ourselves, like, oh, you can't do this, or, you know, who do you think you are to be trying this, especially in the area of legacy building. But I want to turn the tables just a little bit on it today and talk about money mindset. The reality is you cannot create a legacy without addressing the thoughts that you have around money. And most of us, if we're really being honest, we'll tell ourselves and other people, we don't have such great thoughts about money. It's a big, bad, scary thing. And today, our speaker is going to talk to us about money and why we really just need to get over ourselves. So I am so blessed and excited today to welcome my friend, Brittany Tam, on the call. Brittany, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Brittany. Brittany is an educator turned bookkeeper turned money mentor. See, there's a story there and we're going to start with that one. After teaching for 10 years, she found herself experiencing burnout and was looking for a change. She went into bookkeeping with the naive dream of helping business owners feel empowered through a deep understanding of their finances. Through this work, she came to the realization that life is more complex than get your data in, get it processed, receive reports, and a real barrier to clarity comes from the unconscious patterns of behavior we go through when we're working with money. She's diving into delight, and what delights her is digging into the relationship we have with money and shining a light on what's driving it so that we can move through our money life with more awareness, intention, and ease. And who doesn't want that? I know I do. So Brittany, I want to start with that very first line in your bio. You are an educator turned bookkeeper turned money mentor. So 
The first part I get. So when you were in grade four and somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Teacher is one of the top 10 choices that people usually share. But then moving from education into bookkeeping and then into being a money mentor certainly isn't. So tell me a little bit more about that story. How did you go from being an elementary school teacher to where you are now? So the funny thing about that is um, teacher wasn't my first stop either because I am an Asian child um, and my parents were very concerned about me being able to support myself financially and they didn't see teaching as a route that was going to be able to do that. So I went in for my undergrad and it was in the sciences because I did not have the temperament for a lawyer. So I was going to be a doctor. Um, and it was like moving. <laughs> I was, um, I remember this one moment, such clarity. I was sitting, um, looking down at a microscope, moving worms from one Petri dish to another, choosing my favorite mutation of worm. And I was like, this is, Possibly not my life. <laughs> so <laughs> went on a bit of a journey and I ended up um, coming back to teaching because really it was um, where my heart was at that point in time. And to be honest, it's kind of where my heart is now too, mm -hmm. but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I did the teaching thing for a number of years and I found that the teaching part was great. The teaching part was wonderful. It was mm -hmm. fulfilling. Um, wasn't always easy. There were, you know, moments at the beginning of the school year when you're still developing trust. Where you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. But it was fulfilling. Admin was sometimes hard. Mm -hmm. And um, I had, in hindsight, I see how much of my self-worth was tied up in what I produce and mm -hmm. what I do. And when you can see how things can be done better, but you don't feel like you can execute that because the resources aren't there, it it takes its toll. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was looking at what can I do um, that'll leverage the skills that I already have, that has pieces of knowledge that will be pretty easy for me to pick up. And I thought bookkeeping, this is great. I'm going to help business owners become more empowered. They're going to know their numbers and they're going to be able to make sound decisions because they know their numbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like you said, it wasn't that cut and dry. Um, I found that through the work I had, uh, handful of clients where that was our relationship and it was lovely it was easy um and there were so many clients that I worked with where regardless of what systems we put into place um what we tried to implement they weren't able to get their data in for whatever reason mm -hmm. and when you have these systems that work in other contexts and none of them are working with a particular person. You start to wonder, um, is it the system or is there something else that we need to take a look at and address? And so that's where my conversation started going. What is 
actually holding you back from getting your receipts in. And there are a lot of common stories that come out. Um, and I think the thing that really struck me too was it really was, there was a gender divide that I was seeing, hmm. um, which is heartbreaking for me. Like I'm a heart per person first and I want to see my ladies thrive, but predominantly the, that group that where we couldn't get their data up to date was women. So there was a need and I wanted to meet it. Oh, how lovely. I love that heart of yours. Um, and I really like that story. I'm glad that you've chosen a life where there are no worms that you must dissect. Um, cause if you had been in that path, I would not have met you. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about that gender divide and let's dive into that a little bit more because obviously in our audience, there are women who want to become legacy makers, women, women who are on their way to being legacy makers. And the thinking that we do around money impacts a lot of that very directly. So talk a little bit about what you discovered. Yeah. Um, so I guess to, before we dig into, you know, what happens in women versus what happens in men, we all grow up with money stories. Mm -hmm. Everybody has um, ways in which they feel like money is not easy and challenged. But what I've noticed is the men are the one who are more likely to just be like, I'm going to get this done anyways. It reminds me of um, the, the stats that we see about who applies for jobs, um, and depending on how they're qualified. And it's the men who are going to go, I'm going to take this risk. Whereas um, the women are a little bit more reluctant to just jump in mm -hmm. if they've got these subconscious um, patterns, or maybe they're even conscious um, beliefs that they hold. Um, common belief that I, I hear is I'm not a numbers person and there are numbers involved in working with money, but I'm pretty sure that even if you can't do the math in your head, we have tools for that. So it's not just about being able to execute there. There are other things that hold us back from taking action. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and, and I like how you phrase that um, in terms of the statistics. And you're right, women tend to be a little more risk adverse. Um, have you come across or formed any thoughts on why women may be a little more risk adverse than men? I think uh, there's, there's probably elements of biology, but there's also a huge influence, like cultural influence. When we think about... Um, what is valued in terms of gender, what was valued as we were growing up. Um, men taking risks was valued, whereas that wasn't necessarily the story for us as women. Mm -hmm. um, for us as women, it was how do we, how do we serve those around us? Um, and serving those around us doesn't necessarily take mean taking risks that are, for us in our heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, it literally may be 
serving others as opposed to being served ourselves. <laughs> yes. For sure. That's interesting. You're right. There's there's definitely some cultural aspects here that should be um, kind of investigated a little more. And I think it's a good question for us to be asking ourselves as women, you know, culturally, is there some information that's been shared with us about money that we need to think about and address? Um, and now that I'm talking about that, maybe you can help me out with some questions. Like what would be some good questions, not just gender based, but, or culture based, but what would be some good questions for people to ask if they're starting to think about this idea of how do I think about money? What would be some good questions to ask ourselves that might unearth some of these things? Yeah, um, I think that we have a tendency to kind of look for the bigger stories, but really um, our experiences are shaped by our stories. Um, so one of the first things that I work with people on is what are the stories? What are the experiences that you carry? What did you see growing up? What did you hear growing up? Um, because we'll often find that patterns develop and patterns develop from experiences that we have in childhood. Um, and so this is where we have some choices about what we do with that once we're able to see the patterns. Um, and this is where too, uh, I feel like the caveat is we we can't necessarily see our blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, I listened to a podcast recently and uh, they used the phrase, you can't tickle yourself. And like, there's something, there's something joyful about that picture <laughs> for me. Um, so it might involve you connecting with an outside person so that you're able to get perspective. And once you start seeing the patterns, then uh, we have some choices because we we do have autonomy over our lives we do have choices about how we show up mm -hmm. and um early on one of the things that you said was we get over ourselves but there's also an element of accepting that that's there for a reason that pattern got established for a reason it was something that really early on helped keep you safe in some shape or form or helped you belong in your family unit in some shape or form. And the question is, does that pattern of behavior serve the same purpose now? Mm -hmm. Because we are resource men. We are so like, if, if we're listening to this, we've got access um, to information. We've got access to relationships. And maybe this is where we can have a conversation with our five-year-old self that re remembers something that felt really dangerous way back when centered around this money thing and give that five-year-old self a little bit of assurance that you've got this. You understand why um, she she's responding the way she is, but also that doesn't need to be the case right now. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I like that. And I like what you said there around the idea of these patterns of behavior were set up to keep us safe. Um, I would question sometimes whether it's, you know, everything we want to achieve is outside our safety zone, right? It is every big thing, every legacy, every big risk from a professional risk to choosing to get married or not get married or have a partner, have children, all those risks that we take are outside our comfort zone, right? And so we have to stretch and grow ourselves and we have to shift into the unsafe space. This is in air quotes for those of you on the podcast who cannot see me doing this. Brittany can see it, but you can't see it. So it's in air quotes. We got to move away from safety to create a bigger, a bigger circle of safety, right? Once it becomes familiar, then it becomes safe. So some of those patterns that used to keep us safe may now just be keeping us back as opposed to still creating a sense of safety. So it's worthy, I think, of looking at that. Is this keeping me safe? Is that in alignment with what it is that I want to achieve? Now, if what I want to achieve is, I don't know, something really outlandish, like I want to base dive off the top tallest building in the world. Well, there's a safety sense there that, you know, you might have to fly there and your brain is going, but this isn't safe. Well, yeah, probably it isn't because the activity is not safe that you're aiming to go do. So that might be a different thing than it's in my heart, which you talked about. It's in my heart to want to create this legacy or to start this business or, um, you know, to be able to create financial security so that my children don't have to grow up in debt. Um, whatever that is, that legacy that you want to create, your mind is going to take you back to the place where you were before that thought. And it's going to say, no, 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 no. Big, bad, scary. Don't do it right? It's going to try to keep you in the place that's familiar. So I guess it's a good thing to question that. Like, is this actually keeping me safe? Like if I'm going to spend all of my paycheck on lottery tickets, probably not going to end up really well, right? That decision is probably not going to end up being the best decision I've made with my money, not safe. But is this if I take some of my money and I invest it in this course, that's going to get me the skills that I need to be able to take on this dream that I want to have, then maybe that is a good decision, even though in the short term, it leaves you with a little less money, or maybe you have to make some sacrifices in other places. Like I don't need to go to Starbucks five times a week. Maybe I'm just going once a month as a little treat so that 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 money can be pooled to go to this other thing. But it is scary because it's new and it's different. So I that's a really good question for us to ask ourselves. You know, is this actually keeping me safe or keeping me back from where yeah, I want to go? I think that um, there are really subtle ways in which that can work. Um and this is where, you know, you've got to dig into it because each person has a different creation story of, of sorts. Um, but perhaps a more subtle way that works is um, us as women generally, I'm making sweeping generalizations and I know it, um, but generally speaking, we have a harder time receiving support than men do. We have a harder time receiving money than men do. 
So there is some exploration that can be done as to why that might be the case in you. Um, is it because receiving meant that there were terms and conditions attached that you weren't always aware of? Is it because receiving um, means that you're more in the spotlight? And does that make you feel um, less safe? But you're not really going to get a sense of what that is unless you look at your story. Mm -hmm. However, looking at your story can in itself feel really challenging because um, you're exposing all these vulnerable pieces. So there's some, some settling of the nervous system that you're probably going to have to do mm -hmm. um, while you do that as well. Yep. I totally agree with you. You're right. There is a whole lot of pieces and moving parts to this whole thing. So I guess my next question would be, if somebody is listening to this, what would be one or two questions they could ask themselves to start scratching the surface of all this? So for example, if they're listening to this and thinking, huh, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Or I never really looked at money or um, why would I look at money? It's a big, bad, scary thing. What are some opening door questions that they can start with? Uh, um, so a couple of things pop to mind. Um, one of the things that pops to mind is like, I love just rain dumping, pouring onto a page. What are the beliefs that I hold? What are the things that come through my head? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people have some sort of version of you have to work hard for money and money doesn't grow on trees mm -hmm. um, and nothing comes for free. Right. Um, and then there are some other messaging that is maybe less directly connected with money, but impacts money, like the idea that I lose, you win, or mm -hmm. my loss is your gain. How mm -hmm. long, how often do we hear that, right? Mm -hmm. And how does that set us up for this belief that um, life is a zero-sum game? And if you're not a winner, you're a loser. And as heart-centered people, we, we don't want to see anybody lose. Mm -hmm. But if that's the subconscious thing going through, um, maybe we're choosing options where uh we don't win because we want to be supportive of, of other people. Um, the thing is that can feel a little bit confronting. So thinking about what do you need for your body to feel at peace while you're doing that too? Mm -hmm. Is it um, some sort of meditation before you go in? Um, I like movement. I like sometimes when I'm stressed, I will stress vacuum because it's win-win. Okay. So the next time I see your house, if it's really clean, I'll know it's been a stressful <laughs> week. Got it. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, is connecting with why you're doing this. And, um, and a good question to ask as you're connecting with why too, is what is the energy behind your why? Is it a why driven by avoiding something? Mm -hmm. Or is it a why that is running towards something? Because that will affect how you enter a space. That is so profound. And it reminds me so much of um, a good friend of mine, Melissa Barlock, 
made a comment one time that your why power is stronger than your willpower. So particularly for people who are driven to create a legacy, knowing why you're doing it. And when you hit the hard stuff, revisiting that why, right? So when you, when you do that, it's going to provide you with that get up and go to say, okay, I need to address this. I need to be able to move past this so that I can keep moving toward this goal that I have in my mind, something that's bigger than me. That's going to be amazing. That's going to have this incredible impact. Um, so, you know, I think you touched on that too. Why are you doing this? Why are you seeing it this way? How is that impacting you? If you're struggling with, and I hear this from women, um, people are always telling me to raise my prices for things, uh, especially if you're in business, but I just don't know. I don't feel like I should, or, you know, what if I raise my prices and nobody comes? Um, so there's a lot of story in there. People are telling themselves things around money and a lot of self-value associated with that, right? That maybe I just don't feel like I am worth those extra prices. Um, so I, I hear you on those pieces as well. So I have a question then about how you help people move from, this is gross and I'm scared and I don't want to do it to... I see what's going on and I'm ready to take positive action. Like what's, what's the process that you take people through? Um, so it's really a, a, to a multi-layered approach. Um, I feel like that sounds so clinical. Sorry. Um, there are practical components and there are emotional components because, um, we have all of this thinking that happens inside our brains mm. that, you know, we, we work to reconcile. Um, but if that's all we do, um, we're not, we're still not going to get anywhere because we've got to do the practical pieces of, um, working with money as well. Right. Um, so the thing about that is if you start, trying to build systems. And this is what was happening in my human practice. You try and build the systems, you try to build the ship, but if you haven't got the emotional pieces, if you don't understand what's going on there, it's really hard to build um, systems that are sustainable. Mm -hmm. We can, like you say, willpower it for six months, but after six months, it'll fall apart because you just can't willpower that, that long. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. to willpower that long. That's where so, burnout comes in, right? You just feel yeah. so burnt out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we look at those emotional pieces. We look at what is the history that you've been through. How does that, um, how does that show up in the patterns of behavior you engage in with money? And then once we see all the patterns, we can make some choices because some of those patterns are going to serve you beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, some of those patterns are, are going to be things that really work well. And let's honor that. Let's celebrate that. Um, and then for the things that don't, let's start getting curious. Um, where do we want to, where do we want to look first? And what little shifts can we make on an emotional level? And what little shifts can we start to bring in on a practical level? So, 
we get this done holistically mm-hmm. and we don't have to, you know, be stuck in this loop of building something, having it fall apart and building something it again, again, I don't have time for that. You don't have time for it. You got, you got dreams to create, right? Yeah. Um, and you're so right. Uh, the big things are in the little things, right? It's nobody wakes up one morning and says, I am going to be perfectly physically fit. And the next day it just happens. We have to make changes. And some of those changes could be things like, okay, I know I want to get there. What I'm going to start with is I'm going to have that extra cup of water every day instead of a coffee or, you know, that soda that I was drinking or, or the orange juice or whatever. I am going to replace that with a cup of water and I'm just going to start building in those really good habits a little bit at a time. And every time I add on a new one, I take that next step forward closer to the goal. In this case, in this example, the physical goal I've set for myself and the same thing with your money. You're right. Um, if you don't address building your ship is, is building your systems. But if you don't address the emotional stuff, it's kind of like building a ship with holes in it. And we know from the Titanic how well that works out. So, you know, you don't want to you don't want to build your ship with holes that you'll get so far. And then all of a sudden it starts to fill with water. Um, right. And sometimes the holes are not at the bottom of the ship. They're part way up. So as you start putting in your luggage and you bring in the people, right. As the ship gets heavier and it lowers in the water. Now, all of a sudden those holes are at water level and she starts to fill. And we don't see it necessarily, uh, because the holes were above the water line when we started out. Um, but it's, it's, you know, that's a problem. Or it's like building a ship without an engine or a sail. How do you go anywhere when you can't leave the dock? Right. So you're absolutely right. I love those. Um, and how how do you feel understanding and learning about your your money mindset, the way you feel and think about money? How does that making those changes impact the rest of your life? it's such a good question and I feel like um I feel a bit cheeky responding because I I got into this because I am a naturally curious person I want to know how everything comes together and the thing about money is it comes down to these really core beliefs about um ourselves these really core wounds that we carry um how did we feel loved how did we feel valued as a child um you mentioned that value piece with pricing right and you know you might see yourself being worth a certain price and maybe it's not the price jump that's the issue the question is if somebody says no to that price jump what does that say about me um mm. right like it's it's it gets down to like those really core beliefs we hold about ourselves but because of that as we become aware of that and make some changes in our money it has a r- ripple effect to these other areas that we didn't anticipate mm-hmm. yeah i love that and i love that question if they say no to the price increase is that a commentary on me and my worth? Um, 
you're right, so important to be able to differentiate those things and to be able to acknowledge and address them. I also like that you said some of the systems and processes that you have in your in your mind and in place for your money serve you well and should be celebrated. So tell me about some of those systems and processes because we've talked a lot about what, what isn't working. So let's let our people celebrate themselves for a little bit. What would be some processes that people should celebrate? Um, you know what, I, I'm like thinking about your audience and your audience is interested in building legacies. And, um, the fact that they're sitting here listening to this, they had to go seek it out. They had to go download it. They had to make a conscious intention to listen to it. Um, and that's something to be celebrated being a person who takes action. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I love working with people in business too, because I know that if you're in business, there is something within you who believes that you can create some sort of impact and that you can do things. So that's probably one of the things that all of your audience has in common. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of potential great stuff. I would also suggest that the ability to learn um, when I first uh, launched my business, I, like you, moved from education into business and knew very little about business um, and thought, oh, dear Lord, what am I doing with myself here? But then I realized I didn't know what I was doing, but I did know how to learn. So again, that's something to be celebrated if you are struggling with all the money stuff, but you're learning about it so that you can make changes and take that action, then that's to be celebrated too. Um, I also like what you said about getting curious. Sometimes we see change as with such like it's a value laden decision. And instead of, you know, pinning everything on one decision, what if we adopted and I'm going to go back to your worms, a scientific sort of experiment. And an experiment is really designed to say, well, if I do this, what will happen? Is it, and then we we do this and then you see what happens and then you can evaluate, okay, did that work? Was, was what I thought going to happen happened? Did it not happen? If it didn't happen, what can I change in that system so that maybe the next time it will happen? And When you look at it that way, it is now not so value laden. It's not a, well, I failed and now I'm a failure, right? As opposed to it's more, I don't know, it's more objective. It's not yourself. It's you're looking at the situation and saying, yes, I'm infusing me into this and I am the person that's doing these things. But if I make these changes And I'm curious about it and I'm looking to see what the outcome is and getting back to your point about making small changes. So it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm going to take my entire life savings and buy lotto tickets. It it could be something really small, like what would happen if I didn't have the fifth coffee of the week? I didn't go out for coffee the fifth time. What if I took that little bit of cash? So in Canada, that's like 10, 20 bucks. Um, and I took that money and I did something with it. Like I put it in an account with the goal that when it hits a certain amount, like maybe I'm going to say when it hits $500, I'm going to take that money and invest it. So that's a small change, right? That I'm going to make. I'm just not going to go for that fifth coffee, whatever that price is that I would normally pay. And if I'm going for coffee five times a week, I know exactly how much I'm paying. 
I'm going to do something different with that little piece of my money. And with, I'm going to set a goal for how much I need to, to save. And then I'm going to make a plan of action for what I'm going to do with it. That's a small change, but with a pretty profound impact at the other end. Now you've got this money invested that's growing for you and you could choose to either reinvest it or pull it and do something, or maybe you're saving for a particular course or a piece of your legacy or a piece of equipment that you need, or, you know, those kinds of things, or you're saving it to celebrate yourself for making all those changes and you're planning some really amazing holiday or a weekend getaway, or you're sending your family away and you're paying for that. So you can have the house to yourself, right? Those things that we don't normally do. Those are all great things to do from a curiosity perspective, from the perspective of, Hmm, if I did this, where would that take me? Hmm. And if I start small, I can always build it. Right. Over time, I can say, well, I did that for 30 days and I put that money away and here's what I have now. Okay. What did that work for me? Did it, was it awful? Did I really have trouble with my coffee? Could I, you know, those are simple examples, right? But as you're going through all those questions, it's, it's, it helps you to address that issue around the money, around what you're doing with it, around why you believe those things. Now, that's just a simple, simple personal choice. Obviously, when people are working at legacy, they're dealing on a bigger scale and with much more personal value attached to things. Um, but one does and can directly lead to the other. So I love that you said that. So how would you say making shifts in somebody's uh, thinking about their money can contribute to their success moving forward? I think, again, we go back to that idea that um, so much of this ties to fundamental beliefs about how we, uh, about ourselves, how do we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so once you start collecting evidence that maybe money isn't directly tied to your self-value, what if money is neutral? And I say that, and I know that it triggers um, some people because money doesn't feel neutral. We conflate money with our sense of worth. We conflate money with safety. Mm -hmm. Um, if I like step back and take a little bit more of a clinical view of it, like money isn't actually safety. Money is what we do use to buy some things that keep us safe. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not in and of itself safety. And, um, it's not in and of itself a reflection of our value. So once we're able to get to this point of um, maybe it's possible that money isn't about my value, money isn't about my safety, it's a lot easier to say increase your rate and be okay if somebody says no to it and say, well, that just wasn't the right offer for them. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe this is where I start to get curious about where my uh, potential clients are coming from or um, because maybe it's just not the right fit and it's not about me as a human and my value as a human. Mm. That is some very rich information there uh, for people to certainly start thinking about. Um, I want to just tune into something that you talked about in the write-up that you sent me. And I, I really liked it. Um, I asked the question, um, what have you become an expert at? What is your zone of genius? 
And I wanted to share what you wrote about that uh, because I really thought that that was, that was pretty amazing. So you wrote, I've learned that providing perspective and helping others see their genius is my superpower and I'm leaning into it. I love that through the work I do, my clients are able to see how wise and creative and powerful they are. And I love that with that, they're able to share their gifts with the world without the fears of their needs not being met financially. And I wanted to highlight that because I really, I resonated and and appreciated so much the words you chose there, that you're able to help see your clients see how wise, creative, and powerful they are. Um, I am sure that in our audience of legacy makers and the professionals who support them, There are people who feel none of those things, wise and creative and powerful. And there's a lot of uh, reason. I mean, truthfully, most of what we hear in the world, about 85% of what you hear every day is negative Um, from all the sources you're listening to. 85% of it is negative. So it's really easy to feel regularly beaten down about things. And you're right. Patterns of behavior can help to keep you down there uh, for sure. Sometimes they have an interplay of what's going on in the world and what's going on for you personally. But I love that you said that, that as a a heart centered uh, mentor, that your focus is on helping pull out the creativity and the wisdom and the power in the people you work with. Um, So could you share with me maybe a, a small success or could you share with us Uh, maybe an aha moment that you've had, not in your own finances or about money, but about maybe one of your clients or uh, something that's ongoing to help kind of highlight how you're doing that? Yeah, I think the things that delight me the most is when people start seeing the patterns within themselves and they start connecting the dots themselves. Um, I had forgotten I'd written that, so thanks. <laughs> I'm going to have welcome. to get a copy of that. For, and um, the excuse to share compliments, <laughs> a good one. And I feel like this is the connection back to like why we went into education. We didn't go into education because we wanted to dictate to people, right? Mm-hmm. We went into education because we wanted to help other people see capacity within themselves. And everybody has capacity no matter how many times somebody else has told you, you don't, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have the capacity to start um, once you see those patterns, making those changes. And it's a lot easier to take action when you see that maybe it was, it's not just all about you. It's not something defective within you. Like everything that you do makes sense and be able to sit with, there's a reason for it. And also I still have choice now. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. Um, Often when it comes to money, people don't feel like they have choices or the choices that they have are the, the least of the worst. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have enough money, so I need to go get a job. Well, uh, well, maybe another job. And so now I'm away from my kids even more. And now how's that going to work? And, you know, it just kind of spirals very quickly into this, this big, bad, ugly thing. Um, 
And so they don't feel like they have a lot of choice. They feel like I'm here. I'm going to be here in this place, in this space, in in this way forever. And it's a very easy spot to kind of get mired down into and really hard to get unstuck from. Um, Now, the good news is that legacy makers are, you are right, creative, and they don't like to get stuck for very long. They, they see there's a challenge and they're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm going to do about this. Um, and I love that. Now, of course there, it's usually sort of a practical problem. Like I see that I, um, you know, need to free up some time in my schedule to do something. And so they'll creatively problem solve around that. Or, um, in my case, for example, I do my podcasting when my children are not home. So they don't come and visit with every guest I have on, right. It's creative problem solving. So, um, cause I know my oldest son would definitely want to come particularly cause he knows Brittany and he would want to be a part of the conversation. Um, for sure. So, you know, there's that's stuff that's easy to creatively problem solve. But when you're dealing with belief systems, it's much harder because the belief system will take over uh, from the creative problem solving. So all of a sudden this belief kicks in and now you can't see a way to solve the problem. Um, and so I really like that. That's what you were talking about. there, helping to teach people. See, there it is. There's the education helping to teach people to see that they are, they are bigger than the belief system that they've held or than the emotional trauma or drama that they've got going on around money. Um, now recently I I wanted to get into one little piece that you and I were talking about recently around something that, and and I'm going to start here and we'll circle back to something happier, something that kind of saddened you, um, that you were realizing in your conversation with women Um, And that is predominantly who we're talking to here um, around their beliefs with money and relationships. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was really struck recently by um, how many people I've been in conversation with who feel like they're in intimate relationships that might not be supportive of them anymore, might not be in their greatest interest, in their greatest good. But at the same point in time, they feel like they can't leave because finances, because this is financial safety. And if I leave financial safety, I will not survive. Um, And when it's a choice between your emotional and possibly physical well-being versus or even like your ability to create in the way that you want to versus um, the sphere of survival, that's the thing that like gets to me. Um, and it doesn't have to be so, right. Mm -hmm. We, it doesn't have to be, we have to stay here because this is what keeps us physically safe. What if you had the capacity to create cash, to create the movement of money, to create wealth. Um, and it wasn't necessarily tied with serving another human in a way that's not aligned with your values. And I, I love how you took that very sad, profound thought there and switched that around to creation and wealth. Um, because truthfully, um, you know, women are 51% of the world's population. 
I've said this, I cannot tell you how many times, but yet we don't control 51% of really much in the world, um, except maybe child rearing and housekeeping and those kinds of things. I, I think that women definitely have a monopoly on that um, around the globe. Um, but it's so important to really be looking at those pieces, um, particularly if this is something that impacts your life as a listener, um, to look at how you can, how can you do this? And there are people out there who can support you. So I just wanted to, to put that out into the world in case there was somebody listening who is thinking, I would love to be creating a legacy, but I can't because I, I am stuck in this relationship and I cannot leave for financial reasons. Um, I would also challenge that person to look at the word legacy and if creating the life you love is your legacy, then that's a legacy worth building. That is a legacy worth seeking out the help and doing the work. It's a legacy worth fighting for um, because the world needs more of us to be happy. Let's be real. The world needs more of us to be happy and joyful and feeling powerful, not powerful over as in over other people, but powerful, powerfully in control of our own lives. Um, and that's something that's very important. And then, of course, the idea that if you're creating a legacy and you're looking to create a legacy in your life, obviously, you're going to have to deal with finances somewhere along the way. Um, um, as you said, Brittany, most people believe nothing in life comes for free. And when you want to create something bigger than you, there's usually a financial component that comes into things. And you do need to be able to successfully address it. And there is no one right answer either. What works for you may not be what works for somebody else. And of course, we've been talking about two redefining success, um, redefining our financial success. What does that mean? Historically in the world and certainly through the media, we've been told that means being rich. And let's look at that and let's investigate. What does that mean? Do you need to be rich? And what is rich? Like, what is the number where you define now I'm rich? What is rich is the question. I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> that is so subjective and so ambiguous. And yeah, um, so context dependent. It certainly it's more is. about what, what do you want for your life? What is, how do you want to feel as you move through life? Um, and how does money help you uh, get to that place? Oh, I love the way you said that. How does money help you get to that place? Because most of the time, I think people feel that money hinders them from getting there. Um, so really switching that right on its head and thinking about, well, how can money help me? And then how can I help myself to get that money that's going to help me? Right. Um, and helping yourself may be seeking the help of somebody else. It may be, um, really asking yourself these questions, like starting to ask yourself those questions. What beliefs do I hold about money? Do I believe that money is bad? Do I believe that um, rich people are greedy? Do I believe that, you know, like those kinds of things do, because if you believe those things, but yet you believe you need to be rich to be happy, you're never going to get it because those two are completely at odds with each other, right? Um, what is my belief around success? success in my life, success in my family, success in my business. Like, what do I believe about those things? And then maybe I need to, to address that or, or redefine it. And there's power in that redefinition and claiming those definitions. So 
I love all the things you were talking about, about taking those financial steps to creating your own sense of power and stability and success. Because of course, if you feel those things, that's going to be passed on to the people around you, whether that's in your family or your social circle, in your business, in your job, in your life, in the legacy that you're creating, that is going to, um, really attract into your life the things you actually wanted to see at the beginning anyway. Brittany, I am so thrilled to have you sharing those things and to really highlighting some of those questions and ideas that we need to be asking ourselves and how we can take a different position on money than maybe the one that we had before you got on this podcast. You cannot walk away from this podcast now having the same thoughts because now you should have had a few aha moments or huh. I have thought that, or gosh, I've said that. Where did that come from, right? If you're having those moments, then we have succeeded in helping you redefine things for yourself. And I love that. So I am sure, Brittany, that there are going to be people who are listening to this, who are thinking, I need more of her. She, I need to get connected with her. I need to know what she's up to. I need to, to follow up with her. How can people reach you if they're interested in knowing more? I am sure you're not going to be shocked when I say I stink at social media. Social media is not my superpower. I love and I live for one-to-one conversations. So find me on my website and reach out and get in my email so that we can schedule a one-to-one call. Um, I'm a firm believer that we work together best when we have a sense of who each other are. And we know if we have shared values or not. Um, and so, yeah, let's let's talk and talk about what your dreams are. Um, talk about what fears come up. Um, maybe address some of those fears and prompt some thinking around them. But what I really would love to do is just lean into that creation of dreams. What, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to... What do you want to feel in your life and how are you going to try? I love that. So could you tell our audience what your website is? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a lot shorter than it used to be when I was bookkeeping. Um, it is the FEE.ca. Um, there is a page on there for resources as well. Um, I recently created something on um designing a nourishing money day. Uh, I know that a lot of the people that I've talked with lately have embraced the idea of having a date with their money um, to do the practical pieces. There's the invitation to do some of the emotional pieces as well. And um, one of the things that I was hearing is that even though people see the value in it and people want to do it, there's still sometimes emotional resistance to it. And so um, one of the things that I've stepped into for myself too is having the first part of my money date be reconnecting with my intention, reconnecting with my why. What is that like big, big thing that makes me excited to run towards something? Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so inspiring. 
And now I'm thinking about my why and the big thing I'm running towards. So that's, that's just wonderful. And I'm so excited that that's the spot that we're going to, we're going to clue up our interview today. So again, it is the fee, F-E-E dot C-A, if you want to reach out to Brittany. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to write that down, it will be in the show notes. So you'll have a chance to just click on it right there and be able to take you right to her website. And she is not kidding when she says she's not great at social media. So although she's on some social media platforms, chances are she won't respond to you if you go there. Um, so go through her website and she does truly love those one-to-one conversations because I can tell you I've had many with her and plan to have many more. Brittany, I am so grateful for you to be here today to help us share about you know, in the creation of a legacy, there's so many moving parts. And one of the biggest things that either can help or hinder us is what we think and believe around money. And so thank you very much for for shining a light on some of those challenges and then how we can start to come at those challenges or shift the way we think about them so that they're not seen as like, big, bad, scary challenges, but more opportunities for growth. And when we look at it from that perspective, we can gain the wealth and the health, financial health, and all of those things that we've been looking for. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. I truly appreciate that you were here. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.